this is Rob Harder with the nonprofit leadership show, Making Your World Better. What does it take today to be an effective nonprofit leader? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? How does a nonprofit cultivate raving fans for their organization? All those reasons combined led me to start this audio series. It is my hope that through this show, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. On today's show is Tanya Toole. She's the executive director and founder of Holding Out Help. Holding Out Help is an organization that exclusively reaches those who have left a polygamous community in order to reintegrate into a different community. Um, I think you'll be really intrigued listening to her story of how she has helped numerous individuals, kids, uh, parents, adults, people of all ages who are uh, coming out of these communities and really wanting to reintegrate into society. It's a fascinating story and what she does at Holding Out Help is a really worthy organization. Enjoy today's show. We have a very special guest today in our studio, and her name is Tanya Toole. She's the executive director and founder of Holding Out Help. Tanya, it's great to have you in the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us about this. This is one of the most interesting nonprofits in Utah. Um, talk about Holding Out Help. How did you start it, and what is it about? Yeah. Um, well, we, we started this basically off a personal conviction of... Um, me wanting to serve the Lord a little bit more boldly um, here in Utah. And um, after kind of facing uh, possible death with cancer and stuff, and um, so um, I kind of just set out to do something impactful, and this is what kind of landed on my doorstep. And so... So it came out of your faith right away, like this is an expression of your faith. It did. Not because I needed to, just because I wanted to do something more in case my time was was up, you know, tomorrow or next Mm -hmm. year or two years or whatever that may look like. Fascinating. Okay, so that that is a very touching story that uh, you felt like maybe you're done and you're going to make sure you maximize the last few days on earth, so to speak. So why this though? And first of all, maybe give us a little bit of background because it's very interesting for our listeners to learn about what you do. They've all heard about it because of some of the big things that have happened over the last several years. But why polygamous communities? Why did you start with that? Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, I got an email from a friend of mine that said, hey, would you be willing to use the house that you just bought for um, a safe house for those leaving polygamy? And And what year was this? That was probably around 2006. Okay. 2006. Um, and remind us when the big thing happened with Warren Jeffs going to jail and when the federal government came in and pulled all the people oh, out. Oh gosh, I have no sense of time, Rob. Okay, You're going to kill me on that. I'm that, just curious. That was, yeah. around, that was around, Soon, the same around the same time, time right? That's what I thought. And so there started that fallout. But um, we actually said yes to that. And, and it wasn't until about a year, year and a half later that we got the call that there was two ladies and four children that were getting ready to flee and wow. need a safe place to stay. And so... Um, we had actually planned for them to come on a Saturday and then we got a call. We had never spoken to them or anything. And we got a call on a Tuesday that husband had come home. The family had barricaded themselves in the upstairs master bedroom and called police. And and so we got the call that the police kept the husband at bay and allowed them to grab garbage bags of clothes and books. And they threw it in the van and they were heading our way. Um, And so late, late, late that night, um, they landed on our doorstep terrified and it was kind of our ex- first experience. It was their first experience. Interesting. Um, and so we invited them obviously in and they stayed with us throughout a summer and they truly changed our lives forever in such a great way. Wow. So this first 
family. It really started the whole holding on help, sounds like. It did. So it was interesting because I watched my my children even go from pretty selfish, selfish, I should say, to selfless. And then at the end of the summer, these ladies sat us down and they said, would you be willing to start an organization to help others? Because they estimated nearly 50% of their community would leave if they had a safe place to go. Wow, 50%. That's what they had estimated, So 50%. we're talking, yeah, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands. Thousands. I mean, yeah. yeah, really in the big scheme of things. And so out of respect and love for the relationships that we had built with these women, we felt we couldn't say no. So we kind of started to take the easy route out and start a website resource center. And through the four-month fact-finding mission, we just realized a lot of people didn't understand this culture, mm-hmm. um, even though there was great resources possibly out there. And even then, they really needed somebody to walk alongside of them to navigate how to get those resources. Right. So tell us about the community specifically. Yeah. So again, for people that are just completely unfamiliar with this community, tell us just a bit about this community and what are the characteristics? Yeah. So there are there are there are probably six main different polygamous groups and then a lot of little offshoots. Um, in the last couple years, we've really um, been cornered into serving the FLDS, which is the um, location out in Colorado City, Arizona, and Hilldale, Utah that Warren Jeffs runs um, and is currently in prison for a life plus, I think, like 10 or 20 years for mm-hmm. um, the molestation of young girls. Um, but that community right now, um, it's sad because it's really breaking down. So although Warren Jeffs is in prison, he is still technically the leader of this I keep group. keep hearing this, right? I know. He and still so has power and influence. Total power. And once a prophet, always prophet until death. Interesting. And so Warren runs it, but his brother, Lyle Jeffs, is the one who carries out his orders. And so some of the crazy things that are happening right now are... Um, Food is rationed once a week if you're deemed worthy. Um, Kids um, are separated from their parents and raised by unrelated adults. Uh, The men are sent off into other states where they are repenting from afar until um, they are deemed worthy enough to come back. Women are sent off as well to repent. And so the whole culture is being broken down. There's no toys, no laughter. Um... I could go on and on. Everything's owned by the trust in there. So their homes are owned, their furniture's owned. Again, by the church, correct? Yes, by the church. I've heard the police officers and the city mayor, quote in quotes, all are run by the church. All devout FLDS. And so if you fall out of line, they're very quickly right there to press charges against you. Right, legally, religiously, community-wise, I mean, all of those. So they have complete control of your life complete control the people are completely in bondage i don't know how else to say it and if you it's unbelievable have one little misstep you're done you're out you're deemed unworthy and they really believe that warren jeffs has the power to send them to hell that yeah that right there is incredible although i've been familiar with what you do and i've you know even interacted with you with the people that have left and um there's been a couple of movies out there too that people may be familiar with again that are listeners prophets pray mm-hmm. and the sons of perdition both sundance films yes, i believe both sundance and films. gives the, when i watch both those films and of course i've heard more about what you do yeah. it was astounding to me the mind control that warren jeffs even from a long distance yeah. still has on the community because you can yeah i think most of us that didn't have that experience think well can't you just leave why don't you just get out of there you know but it's no that's their whole world view well, is built on absolutely. warren jeffs right yeah because they're born and bred into that mm-hmm. and they believe that Warren Jeffs is basically God and so everything wow. you know goes around that so you don't you don't mess up because otherwise you don't have an alternative but to go to hell 
And so it's, it's a totally That's different incredible. environment. Yeah, the power. And, and, and the other thing I think for listeners to really get is that these are not bad people. They mm-hmm. are some mm-hmm. of the sweetest, most sincere people you have ever met. They're just really misguided with false religion. Yeah, completely brainwashed. Completely brainwashed. Mm-hmm. So, so, so talk about where you come in then. What do you do? How do you get them out? Yeah. How do you support them? So we usually get a call that someone has um, a child that has been dropped off, let's say at a Walmart in the middle of the night, or Got it. Um, you know, the parents have deemed them unworthy. Sometimes we get a call from the parents saying, can you come pick up my child? Um, we will then take them down here to the Salt Lake area. We will invite the parents down. We respect them as you know the biological parents. And we give them a voice. We ask them to interview the host homes, to check out the schools. Um, and we advise them that we want to partner with them in raising their child because we know they can't. The interesting thing is the parents very much love their children. They are not given an option but to get rid of these kids because they can taint the rest of the family unit. Got it. So they're being forced to drop these kids out. They're being forced to drop these mm-hmm. kids out, out and off. And so we provide the food the clothing, the shelter, um, counseling services. Sometimes they need legal help. We might have to draw up, you know, um, guardianship documents or adoption or power of attorney. Um, we even teach the most basic of life skills. Like most won't even know how to open a checking account. The average education level is between sixth and eighth grade. So it's real important wow. that we get them into school sure. and get them surrounded by tutors. We really do Everything and anything, somebody coming in from another country might need. That's what it sounds like, almost like a refugee. Exactly. Same process. Yeah, we refer to them as American or domestic refugees. Right, got it. It's the same thing. They might speak English, but they they don't speak our language at all. Right, and don't understand our culture, if you will. Don't understand our culture at all. So they're born and bred, and every decision is made for them, and then they come out into our world where they have to make all these decisions, and they need mentors and counselors and people to walk alongside them while they acclimate. Interesting. So they come to you. In other words, you get the call. You don't go in and kind of do an undercover operation like a CIA operation where you come and rescue families. Or do you sometimes do that? So you do, do a little bit of both. We don't talk about that very okay. much. But but yeah, sometimes we do. We have to be very careful legally. Um, and so we try to, you know, obviously follow the law as carefully as we can. Sure. If people call and say, hey, I'm, you know, 13. I'm going to, can you come pick me up? We will not go pick up a 13-year-old with either out contact a parent or if we find abuse calling authorities in or say you know we can't come get you but if you do come out here we're willing to help and inevitably they'll find a ride in a way to us right got it okay so the majority of them come to you or your contact somehow hey this person has left and they just need help they need assimilation so to speak into normal culture yeah and then we build a relationship and a rapport with the parents and well that's pretty fantastic yeah yeah we give them that respect and they can't contact us they can't contact their child usually afterwards so we'll send them photos we'll send them updates Okay. We may never hear from them until they need help. Hmm. And then when they're deemed unworthy, suddenly they're thrown out. And and then um, you'll hear from the parents or other siblings. We'll hear from the parents and other siblings, and we hmm. say, absolutely, we'll serve you too. Fascinating. So, so what's your guess right now? Like how many people in a month are coming out? Does it completely vary? Depends oh, on what's going on? It really does. I can give you an average. We've been around anywhere from 175 to 250 per year. Okay. Um, this last year has kind of been an influx in services because of the fallout in the FLDS, the Warren right. Jets Group. Mm-hmm. So we've served either with a myriad of resources, either food, clothing, or shelter. Sometimes they've come out, but roughly about 670 people this year. So That's it's, amazing how it's many. It's been intense. 
So how do you find homes? How do you find people to take them in and, and to find all these resources? Yeah, it's people that contact us and step up and say that we would like to be a host home. We'd like to volunteer. They might have a counseling degree and say we want to come alongside and volunteer there. Um, we also have different people that will buy homes for us and we lease them from them to use for our families. And so, so all kinds of, well, that's what I was going to ask you was if someone is listening and they're very intrigued by this outreach, um, how do they get involved? Like where, what are the steps for them to get involved? Yeah. So they can go on our website at holdingouthelp.org. Okay. Holdingouthelp.org. Yes. And there is a volunteer application that they can fill out or Got they it. can pop us an email and then our admin will contact them and see what they're, you know, wanting to help with. And then we'll kind of pull them in from there. It's a long process, honestly, because there's an application. We do background checks. Yeah, you very, have to. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. careful who we align them with. They've been so damaged that we can't take risks. Exactly. We interview them. Um, if they want to open up their home we come in and check it out they have to be follow a lot of the foster care certification guidelines they don't have to be foster care certified with us i wondered about that okay but they have to follow a lot of the the guidelines we do have foster care certified homes as well so we have host homes that aren't and then we have foster homes but they're 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 very carefully checked out. So. And then how does a state and or city, depends on where they land, I guess, uh, how do they view you and this relocation process? Do they just see yeah. it as uh, a foster care situation? Do they see it as more of a refugee situation? How do they view it? I mean, I say, yeah. you know, how you see it. How do they see it, though, like when they get integrated into the school district or yeah, uh, regular been, life? They've been fairly supportive because you, well, have good. To, you have to think we're taking kind of a large burden off of them. If we weren't there, this would land on the state's Sure, hands. right. Um, we work with a lot of the state's homeless leaders liaisons to get them into school. So if for some reason a parent won't sign over rights, there's all kind of benefits that these kids have that come along so they can get school supplies, they can get free lunches. And that's um, through the city or state yes, government? Yes, okay. through the state. Um, and th- they do work with us a little bit on the back end as far as, you know, when they have to be put into the foster care system for right. one reason or another. Okay. Um, we work closely with them uh, along that those lines as well. Now, once the state gets involved and takes them into foster care, because we're technically not state licensed. You kind of hand it off to them. We hand right? it off and they okay. will keep us a little bit at bay for liability reasons, which we sure. understand. Sure. Um, but um, as soon as they're legally adopted per se, then we're pulled right back into that fold to help them navigate the rest of their life. So Interesting. Yeah. So do you feel like, I just noticed in the news the other day, Hilldale, there was a lot of people from that community trying to take over back, back their city, yeah. basically, yeah. right? So talk to me about that. I'm sure that's something you're involved with at some level of simply because yeah. the families are coming from those areas. So, what Give us the rundown on that. Yeah, so we kind of started, we started a community center directly in the heart of Colorado City. You so, did? Okay, yes. Holding on Help. Holding on Help okay. is the one who has the community center out there. We're getting ready to hand that off to some individuals that uh, the Olsons, who we trust greatly out there, who've helped us all along. Um, but the 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 caveat there is that we don't want to come in and rescue and save that community. We want the people that have been displaced to step up and do work within their own community to bring hope and support systems and, and that kind of stuff in place. And so watching what is now happening out there with the people who have been kicked out or displaced or chose to leave to finally stepping up and speaking for themselves has been the best thing I, I could bet. Ever. Yeah, I bet you're so excited to see them standing up for their own oh, rights. Oh, you have no idea. You should see me on Facebook going, you, know, <laughs> you got this. If you need support, let us know, right? Yeah. And so, and there's also a women's group that just recently started that has probably about, I'd say anywhere between 250 and 400 people that are coming together and they're meeting once a month and they all donate funding to help start small businesses there. Really? Um, they do like pamper me wow. nights. They have speakers that come in, they eat together. Um, and so they're really coming together and holding out help 
help us at however we can help with that Fantastic. process, let's do that as well. So, so again, they're right around Colorado City and Hilldale, but they're not part of the LDS. Yes, in other words, they're yes. separate from. And they do a silent auction too to help raise funding for their own people who can't pay utilities because they've been kicked out and displaced. And and so for people out there listening, I mean, if you have gift baskets and stuff that you could donate right. for this cause or our fundraisers and stuff, that's always an easy way that people can get involved. Well, I was going to ask you that. So yeah, talk about how you're funded and, and maybe because I'm assuming yeah. then maybe it filters down into that group. Yeah. Um, how best are you funded? Are individuals? Do you yeah. get money from churches or how no, do you get supported? So we, we individual donations, okay. um, family foundations that just see a need for this cause, churches okay. um, of all different faiths that have come alongside and donated. We have not even started grant writing. So we have really supported our budgets about um, 250000 a year. Okay. And it's all been off individual donations, family foundations and churches. That's impressive. So, how do you do that? Because this is a show that we often get nonprofit leaders talking about fundraising, the one on one. How do you fundraise? What do you do? How do you fundraise? I'm assuming you do a lot of that personally, or do you uh, farm yeah. that out to other people? So, it's it's a myriad of things. So, we do have our annual fundraiser, and from that, we always get a lot of people that want to hear more. And so, I'll go do luncheons with individuals, um, family foundations, for example. Just recently, they said, "My family's all coming in town. Can you come meet with us? We're looking at donating some money to you." So, we sat down with the whole family unit that are spread out all over the United States. And then that word spreads. And another gentleman that heard us that we run the Lisa Ling show. Um, and Fun. he heard about us in California. That's right. That was on CNN, right? That was on CNN. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it was, um, season two, episode one, great mm-hmm. piece for them mm-hmm. to see two of Warren Jeff's kids and what they've dealt with, which is, was horrific. Um, hmm. but for example, this gentleman sent a simple hundred dollar donation, but it was his letter that caught me. And so I picked up the phone and said, just want you to know that we take this you know donation very seriously and we know how to stretch a dollar and it means the world to us because of your note and he said well I'm tied into some foundations and I'm trying to see wow. if these foundations can now donate to you and I will be down there for your March 4th fundraiser fantastic so, fantastic so there's lots of ways mm-hmm. our board of directors gets involved with people that they know and mm-hmm. um, so on and so on so. well and not to go too much into the details but it is important uh, talk about the structure so you have a board of directors yeah. you you're the executive director founder yeah. how big is your staff and what's your relationship with the board yeah, yeah it's really sad how big our staff <laughs> it's pretty small most of our people are volunteers hundreds okay. of volunteers yeah I figured so that that's so how we stay. large majority yeah so that's how we spread that dollar so we only have right now three paid employees Employees. We okay. have a board of directors of about six right now. Um, and then the rest of them are just all kind-hearted volunteers that step up alongside of us and donate their services for the cause. We have case managers, and then below the case managers are mentors. And mentors are the people that walk directly alongside of our clients. They're Got kind it. of a friend. They're an encourager. They help them goal set. Um, they help them get registered for school, college, whatever that looks like, and, and just help them with their overall decision-making. So, so can I say it's fair to say over 90% of your whole organization is volunteer-driven and led yeah it's volunteer driven and that's led. fantastic yeah. and so how do you recruit volunteers we, we don't really have to isn't that that sounds arrogant so they're just say. drawn in by the vision it's, and what no, you're doing it's just by the cause it's not mm-hmm. us it's by the cause of polygamy and watching it on the news and seeing the shows and they just get passionate about oh my gosh this is happening in our own backyard and here we're spending thousands and thousands of dollars going to third world countries and we have refugees right here right and so usually it's just through that or they see me on a news report and they want to get involved and so they call our hotline of you know it's the 801-548-3492 number or they go on our website and fill out that form so kind of a blessing and and we we 
just made an offer on a property down in Draper and they just accepted our offer. And so we will be having um, official office space, counseling space, emergency housing space right on site, along with possibly a thrift store um, for our Fabulous. clients. Fabulous. So we're, we're really excited. That's Hopefully very the next exciting. Three days, we'll kick it off. <laughs> right, so the, during, that is interesting that this entire time as you've been going, uh, you've not had any centralized location per se. No. It's just homes throughout the no, Salt Lake so Valley. South Mountain Community Church is my personal church. And so they've right. given us a little office space in there and we use their cafe Um, we use restaurants we use different churches around the valley Mm -hmm. homes um, you name it that we've just been surviving off of people that have said yeah come on in and use this space for free that's fabulous excellent good so again how can people get involved if they want to remind us of the website again yeah it's holdingouthelp.org okay or they can call 801-548-3492 Excellent. So one last time, what do you think this is such a critical nonprofit? Why do you think people ought to get involved? People ought to get involved because it's crumbling as we speak. I don't know what to say other than most of the communities are imploding. You've got the AUB group that um, a new prophet, the prophet died, they have a new one, and people are not thinking he should be the prophet, and so there's a massive division there. You've got the Kingston group. People are starting to leave on a regular basis, and then everybody knows what's happening with the FLDS. Right. It is imploding as we speak. I would say 40% of the community is displaced, and we are the only mm. small nonprofit out there, so we need the community to come together for this cause. Well, Tanya, again, it's such a fascinating organization. Check it out, holdingouthelp.org. And Tanya's a wonderful leader. And thanks for what you do. It's so important. You help so many people. Thanks for taking time to be on our show. Thank you for this forum. We really appreciate it. You bet.